0: Hello, folks. Welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher with my sidekick.
1: Gloria Edson.
0: We're on the road today. We're out here in Las Vegas, Nevada for RE Plus 2023. And I can't even believe I'm saying that. 2023. Wow. We've been coming out here about 15 years to different uh, locations. But Las Vegas is always one of our uh, most popular because we love to fry eggs on the sidewalk. <laughs> it is hot out here. But you know, we're from Daytona Beach, so we're used to that hot. Right, Gloria?
1: Yes, it's pretty hot there as well.
0: Okay. Give a shout-out to our friends at Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram for the loyal support through the years, and particularly to our uh, NASCAR craftsman truck driver, Mr. Daniel Dye, uh, for the uh, Race to Stop Suicide. You'll see him going across America carrying uh, that sign, and thank you for your loyal support. We've got two of our very special guests with us today, Mr. Thad Kelly with Sunrun. Hello, Thad. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. And Stephanie Johnson with Chesia. Uh, Chesa, yes. Chesa. here. Chesa. Gosh, I, I, I like the word Chessa a lot better than Chesa. <laughs> I don't really do. So what is Chesa?
1: So we're the Chesapeake Solar and Storage Association. We're a regional SEA affiliate covering Maryland, Virginia, D.C., and Delaware.
0: Holy mackerel, We cover a lot of area.
1: We do. We have a big footprint.
0: And you have the best seafood ever. Right? the we Chesapeake. Do. Right? Yes.
1: The Maryland crabs are the best crabs. <laughs>
0: Maryland crabs, okay. No question. <laughs> no question. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I know that it, it's a little bit of a struggle first making the connection and first you can end traversing the hallway with 150,000 people there. It's unbelievable that it, that.
2: Oh, un- un- unreal. It's amazing if you actually see someone you recognize in a sea of humanity like that. So, it feels nice when you do.
0: <laughs> it does. Yeah, we're up here in kind of a quiet area in the media room, which is really almost like vacation when you compare to being down there. It's, it is crazy. So you guys tried to grab a little lunch. That didn't work out too well, did it?
1: We <laughs> did finally get pizza. You did? So all right. that was exciting.
0: Well, that's, that's good. We're glad you're here. It's the little victories. It's a, the, that's all that counts for here. But it's just uh, this event has grown to the, to the size where now I think there's three floors of exhibition and another over at the Caesars Forum. So we're over here at the Venetian, right, Gloria?
1: Yes, we are. So
0: what do you think of the Venetian so far?
1: Uh, it's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a bit confusing to try and find your way around. Uh, we've gotten lost a few times and tried to figure out which which uh, elevator or escalator we came down. It's pretty confusing.
0: It really was. They they were talking about taking a, a shuttle back and forth between the two places. Oh no, we'll walk. We had ten people giving us directions. We could still couldn't find where we're going. But you can walk inside the whole distance between there.
2: Oh, I haven't found that trick yet. It,
0: so. is, it is pretty cool. You've got to traverse a bunch of stuff. Um, Dad, you know, we, we actually have run into each other a couple different times down in uh, Tallahassee. Yeah, you were down there doing some public policy work and also at the show in Sarasota. You just reminded me of that. Right, you were right. one of the speakers there. You did a very good job, incidentally.
2: Thank you. I take your word for it. <laughs>
0: it was very good. So talk a little bit about Sunrun.
2: Yep. So I've been with Sunrun for I've been with Sunrun for two and a half years on on our policy team. So we get to do all the the fun work at state legislatures and uh, public service commissions, public utility commissions. Um, you know, working on the the, ma- the issues that matter to us and to our customers. Uh, so Sunrun itself is the largest provider of residential solar and storage. We're in excess of. Like eight hundred thousand customers at this point, and uh, eighty thousand of those actually north of that have batteries. Uh, so I really think that's a that's an area we we really see ourselves as a battery company that also does solar in some some respects. But you know, solar is a core part of what we do and and core part of what our customers want.
0: Well, Sunrun has always been recognized as one of the leaders in the industry. You know, even. It, it We've we've been doing solar since 1975, believe it or not, and if we thought that that was like an early start, it feels like it's brand new to us right now. Even though the last 15 years, Solar Electric has come to its own, but seeing the number of people that are here now, it just blows my mind. It's just it's just crazy.
2: Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, solar thermal uh, when we were talking earlier. And I, I just saw pictures, and Stephanie just caught back from Europe, that it's, it's ubiquitous. Like, solar thermal's on every rooftop. Uh, and I want to see that be the case here with PV. Yep. That is, there's no reason it shouldn't be. But and I know, Stephanie, you probably have some thoughts on, uh, you got a little fired up, Big in Europe and then coming back to the
1: States. Yeah, I did. So it's interesting to see what Ireland and Germany specifically are doing with streamlining permitting. So in Ireland, they're making it so residential systems don't have to apply for permits at all, and you can use the entire roof space for PV. And in Germany, they're looking at streamlining permitting for ground mounts as well, and it's really exciting, but it's driven a lot by necessity there.
0: You know, that is music to our ears because uh, we all know the challenges that we have you know, getting permits, and, and it, which really astounds me because uh, d- depending on the technology, if you were uh, an air conditioning guy or a roofing guy, you can walk in and get a permit the same day. But if you're a solar guy, well, maybe four weeks, you know, it's like, what What happened? What's going on there?
2: That is, that is exactly right. And, you know, pretty soon we're going to have solar is going to be competitive with, you know, a lot of those other appliances in terms of how many are out there. Uh, certainly, most jurisdictions are the, the ones that have a lot of solar. Uh, you know, they've got the experience; they've done this. Uh, we need to make the process simpler and streamlined, and not create all these additional little paper cuts, death by a thousand cuts. So, uh, we yeah, that's a that's a big priority for us. And I know for you know for Chesa, as we're looking ahead to the legislative uh, agenda for next year, is is getting permitting you know kind of across the board for all sectors, but for residential is to make sure we have straight line, straight uh, you know, online permitting is really streamlined. It's instantaneous, or next day, or you know, it's, there's no reason it shouldn't be that way. And to, add to your point, so 100% agree.
0: Well, we, when we do have some jurisdictions where we can get a permit in a day, and when they come out to really do the inspection, a lot of them don't really even get on the roof and their logic is is uh you know the, the 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 system has been designed by a professional engineer and signed off and is installed by a licensed professional we're kind of responsible for doing it the right thing so why make it so arduous just to allow us to go to work the, the other thing and i don't want to get off on a tangent on this but you guys got brought it up about the way i gotta tell you so the what's the what's the impact of not being able to get a permit it's, it's big, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so we have jurisdictions in Virginia where installers will wait six to nine months to get a permit. And the residential homeowner who wants to go solar doesn't understand why they still don't have a system after six or nine months and what the holdup is. And so there's that disconnect where... We have folks who want to get clean energy, and they're being told no by their local permitting office for no real reason, and homeowners don't understand that. And so then the company's the one who has to take the hit and not the permitting office. And we we think, you know, streamlining this and making it clear that safety's a priority, but you have a licensed engineer, you have an electrician hooking this up, so... Don't let permitting offices, some of whom are just against clean energy, hold us up in deploying solar. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we think about it as a, from a company standpoint. We don't really kind of think about it. We, we think about it more from an employee standpoint. Like if we can't get the permit and the employee can't do his job, they're the ones who are actually suffering along with the homeowner. So, it's, yeah, I'm so glad you guys are working on it.
2: No, that's, that's true, and you mentioned the, the whole idea of inspections that – I think during the pandemic, you know, some jurisdictions allowed virtual inspections and allowed, you know, just to be able to use, you know, an iPad or, or something to be able to FaceTime on your phone yeah. <laughs> to be able to show what's what's going on. And what a what a kind of low cost way to really reduce uh, cycle times. So that, that's something we're also very much in support of doing uh, and hope, you know, any opportunity wherever it shows up to, to try that.
0: Yeah. Well, there is solar app, right? Absolutely, solar app is good. The the challenge that we have in Florida is because of the stringent requirements with wind that the solar app hasn't quite got there yet. This it's being rolled out in other parts of the country, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. That's a that's a work in progress, and uh, I know there's exciting exciting developments in that front in terms of I think the pace and uh, sophistication at which that organ you know, as an organization they get solar app out. Um, I know, you know there are there are in California. I think all jurisdictions have to adopt it, and there are f- funds available uh, for those jurisdictions to kind of help with any IT or, or training, etc. Uh, we know in Maryland that you know there's I think 3.8 million dollars that uh, was part of a DOE grant that will eventually be used for Solar App, and I think Montgomery County in Maryland is is piloting. Uh, so we'd love to see it in the, in the top five, top six counties, like. As quickly as possible, because you know, if you shave a, you know, you know the story. If you could shave a week off of that permitting process, that's a very big deal for the customer and for the company. Because so that it's it's you can't understate how important. I think the solar app and getting it out there is yeah
0: great well thanks for all the work you guys are doing on it Ted. and uh, going back to sunrun now the this initiated initially started was it back in utah where did where did sunrun start or was it california, in, right california. in california california okay. yeah
2: i believe it was 2007 before uh b- before i was really had the, the solar industry on my radar but um but it's funny when i was I was, I was a pizza delivery driver and uh, worked for my uncle delivering business cards. I'd listened to NPR, and there was a story about. It turns out it was a son Edison, and it, it it piqued my interest because it was about. Well, is is this solar facility acting like a public utility? And that became uh, before, long before I ever thought I wanted to go to law school and be a lawyer. Uh, that just stuck in my head as a really interesting question of like, we have a hundred year old law blocking new technology and new applications uh and so when i got into law school and started you know thinking about this that became an issue uh that i started working on right out of law school was you know the permissibility of third-party ownership um and certainly you know that was an issue that sunrun helped was kind of the spearheading in florida uh to go to the psc and get a declaratory statement that they would not be a public utility under the conditions of their lease um but it's interesting to kind of circle it back to uh, Jigger Shaw opened up uh, today to see that you know, Sun Edison was a big you know, pioneer of the industry of the, the PPAs. But Sunrun, uh, to my knowledge, was the first to do residential uh, PPAs and leases, the third-party ownership model. So uh, I'm just I'm glad to be a part of. Like I said, it's the one thing that really got me interested and got me into law. Uh, but it's really it's cool to be a part of that company now yeah. and to be able to kind of see what's coming next and um, there's a lot <laughs> coming oh. next.
0: Well, you know, I think uh, you can speak for most of the solar installers in America today that they're grateful for your leadership coming through Sunron and uh, that's that's what spearheaded it. Yeah, and Jigger Shaw, we invented him the other day, and it's like, you know, Sandran to send me. Who, who would come up with something like that? You have to, have, you know, you just sit in a quiet place for a while, and <laughs> come up with that, right? So it's all good. Stephanie, your role. your role is is kind of in the policy thing too or just overall trying to help uh you know installers what do you do what's your
1: so at the chesapeake solar and storage association we represent all segments of the industry from residential and commercial rooftops to community solar rooftops to community solar ground mount and utility scale ground mount installations
0: okay and and is your is your group um, predominantly installers or is it a combination like in Florida we have we have bankers we have engineers and all this is similar to that yeah
1: we have a makeup from the whole supply chain um, we we have you know folks like SolarEdge and Enphase who participate at Chesa and then we have members who are really dedicated from Sunrun from Ipsen Solar we have Brookfield who's a member it, it really runs the gamut
2: I'm going to throw in connector as well because, and I I use that as an opportunity to say that uh, what they offer is the meter socket adapter. And if you've heard of that, that's another really simple, you know, innovation that uh, helps speed up installation times. Well, in New Jersey today, the governor finally signed a bill uh, about that allows and requires utilities to allow meter. You know, socket adapters so i think that, that was i just saw him today on the expo floor and that was a uh, you know he was waiting to get the news that the governor signed it and just saw that in my Im- inbox uh so we're, we like to see uh, meter collars make their way uh, across the country because they're they're a very useful tool and, and simple
0: so that that brings in another part of the uh, the delay sometimes for the pers- permission to operate right you, you go through the permitting process engineering everything like that and do, install the system and it can take as much kind of time as some people want it to take, right? How do, how do you rein that in? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a that's a key question. I mean, we're considering, you know, can we put uh, dates in statute that have to be incorporated in either local code or does, you can't exceed 30 days or it's presumed approved, uh, or an in interconnection, the same thing, that we, we need those, those timelines you know that that really is important for the customer experience, uh, and as a company to be efficient and you know to do a better job. So we, yeah, it's pulling teeth. With a lot, of, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a lot <laughs> of jurisdictions and utilities. It could be really pulling teeth.
0: Yeah, I often thought that it would be great that, that that if if the utilities and industry and, and consumers were all working in, in unison, you know, to were you know the the common goal is to help the. Uh, the consumer get up and running as quickly and safely as possible and the legitimate licensed contractors which uh, your organization and Flossia we vet these folks well and if they're bad actors they have to go away <laughs> right
1: yeah we have an ethics agreement for all of our members mm-hmm.
0: Well I happen to be the ethics chair for Flossia so I get all the calls that come across the desk and I I call the customer and I call the contractor. I say, "Hey, Coco, we got to get this thing squared away." But that you have to really police the industry because this in Florida there are so many people. I mean, there's no way you can keep track of the new companies that are coming in. No way, it's crazy. So that's a, that's a concern, right, for for our industry in general. Is make sure everyone's playing well.
2: No, that, that's right, and I think that's a point of emphasis for SIA uh, as it concerns the residential sector is to make sure that you know there are. Uh, there are bad actors and have been bad actors, but, you know, don't let them outshine the, the folks that are doing it right. right, right. Uh, so, yeah, it's important yeah. To, to self-police and to make sure that we're all kind of setting the, setting the standard.
0: Yeah, which, thanks to you guys, we are Take a short break, folks. We'll be right back. If somebody knocks on your door or a telemarketer on your phone, you know it's not us. Hi, folks. This is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. If you've been thinking about solar, we want you to knock on our door or call us. SolarFit's been a part of this community for over 47 years, and our customers love us. Couldn't say it if it wasn't true. Now's the time to go solar for your home or business. Give us a call at 445-7606. SolarFit
1: your
2: life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy.
0: Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher.
1: And Gloria Edson.
0: Here at Las Vegas for the RE Plus 2023 show and with our friends Thad Cully and Stephanie Johnson. Before the show, you guys shared some interesting information. I got another question that Gloria brought up. What about insurance and solar? Thanks. Thad.
2: Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, insurance in Florida is a, a fraught topic for a number of reasons. A lot of insurance uh, providers have left the state. Uh, Of course, we're in the middle of a, you know, knock on wood, we're in the middle of a hurricane season, so we don't want to have any any of that to worry about. But uh, for solar particularly, Florida stands out. You know, they require, if your system is over 10KW, you're a Tier 2 interconnection for net metering, and you have to have a million dollars of liability insurance. Now, uh, if you carry a homeowner's policy and you get liability insurance, that might cover a, a dog bite, or if your tree falls on somebody. That's not meant for solar. That is a broad range of liabilities, but people have to get that insurance. There is not, there is no such thing as a uh, solar liability insurance for rooftops. If it were, it would probably be almost free, <laughs> because uh, we we are not aware of any documented you know instance of a rooftop solar facility causing damage to. And what is important here is, you know, the, what is the liability protecting from? It's from damage to the utility grid. Or to utility personnel, um, with inverter-based systems, if the grid is down, they're not going to export; they're they're off. Um, and we haven't seen if you know, God forbid, if there were a fire, the probably what the only thing that's utility-owned that could get damaged would be the meter, which is a couple hundred dollars. So you could say, by far, a million dollars of liability insurance is is overkill and it's unneeded, and virtually no other states there may, i think i've i did a survey once of all interconnection um requirements across the country and i think there were only seven that had any liability insurance requirement um that's kind of a, a vestige of the past that's gone away because we just don't see these there is no need for it uh, so anyway I'll, I'll pause there but uh, you can tell you get me fired up on this one
0: <laughs> no we're we're right with you because it, it it really uh came to light in the last about six months in Florida that more and more people were saying "Well, we can't get our house insured without having all these different things to go through and now it's kind of cured itself because we have uh, very um, staunch and Endorsers of solar in the insurance business who we have just installed a solar power system on her home, uh, for with State Farm and they go no we love it we love doing solar so it's like okay mm-hmm. whoever you hear this uh, the question is has enough damage been done to the consumer's psyche that they think oh boy I no rest assured folks if you're in Florida you know you will be able to get insurance you can you can call Gloria oh no I'm just kidding <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can call us on the solar fit we'll we'll help you plug it in but yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing is kind of uh, interesting is the uh, the requirement by some utilities to put in uh, disconnects, okay? Because that's, that's redundant, right? The mm-hmm. power inverters disconnect the solar system anytime the grid is down, but some of these folks are requiring put in another disconnect. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think for my past work, uh, I was an attorney um, starting in 2010. We did a lot of work with the Interstate Renewable Energy Council uh, setting up you know, state rulemakings on interconnection, and we would uh, kind of come in and bring the you know technical expertise. And IREC to this day is doing amazing work on on interconnection. Uh, but back then, it was just getting interconnection standardized, and that was one of the the topics that we had identified as it's redundant, it's unnecessary, it's an extra cost. Um, you know, I think it's you know, I personally don't know the cost currently as it is today. Uh, back then, I think it was a lot more um, so i 'm not sure what of uh, whether that 's a choke point or that's that 's being a real a barrier for for us but um, but yes, yeah, certainly, as of two thousand ten, it was identified as best practices to not require one
0: right. yeah, we want to try to we want to try to do the best we can for the consumer and not drive costs up. Uh, yeah, you know, we talked a little bit on the first segment. If you didn't hear it, folks, go back and check it out on our podcast. But uh, in the first section, we talked about the length of time it takes to get a permit and the length of time it takes to get permission to operate. To, all of these just needs to be streamlined, which kind of gets me to my next question. You know, uh, if you if you you go, fly out to Texas and you get off the plane in Texas, say, hey, this is pretty nice. I love the heat. <laughs> I'm going to live here. They say, they say, well, let's talk about schools. Where's a good school? Okay. Well, where's a good place to live? Okay. Now, what? Which utility provider did you like <laughs> okay you don't see that in Florida right so if you get out of Florida you land in whatever it is the utility company could be mandated like that what, what is your opinion or or what your thoughts are uh, on the monopoly compared to an open uh, you know open way of doing business
2: yeah I mean there, there certainly are opportunities for abuse. Uh, when you have a, a monopoly power, and you know they're regulated by uh, oftentimes unelected officials, and and, may, and who's to say that having a regulator that's elected is better than not? Uh, but you know, oftentimes they have every incentive to uh, cut out and use their power to cut out competition, so it can structurally be a problem. Um, you know they don't like that metering for that reason, but take net metering out of the equation they don't like customers using solar as an alternative behind the meter so even if you never exported never used uh, net metering they would fight that and come up with some rate designs that make it less valuable so we've got to do a better job of finding solutions and finding ways forward that bring the utilities with us Um, some are starting to come around and some are starting to see that they have their goals their corporate goals for clean energy but also just their uh, dealing with a changing climate, and they need to—they're going to they're gonna have more outages with more frequent and intense storms. So, they need more distributed resources. Yeah. So, I think that's really the trick over the next, you know, five years, ten years, is to, you know, kind of work with them as much as possible. Uh, but accept the fact that you're really fighting—I mean, you are—it's a David and Goliath thing. If you're fighting monopolies backed by the power of the state, uh, so so in that sense. There are, there are definitely structural disadvantages, and then in the competition, you know, has its own, uh, you know, there, there certainly are, are, you know, supply companies that, you know, have make it tough with consumer protection issues, everything else. So the, the, a bit of self-policing needs to happen on that front, too. Right. But uh, but having competition, having a culture of competition in a state, I think does open the door for DERs and, and solar to play a bigger part. Long-winded answer, but...
0: No, for sure. Well, I, you know, the thought that comes to my mind is, you know, because we're from Florida, we've got fifteen hundred people a day coming into Florida, right? <laughs> we often, talk, I think I already said this one other time, but it's just like there just there's no need to have a northbound lane on I ninety five because you no know one's going north. Okay. <laughs> well, every one of those people is going to require electricity, and the more EVs that we put in more and more and more electricity, so uh, I think my thought is on this that even, even the utilities are going to be okay, regardless, right? with a little bit of the little bit of solar that we're able to produce there, which is going lower and more, isn't going to put a dent in what's going to be required? And at some point they're going to say, you know we're so glad that we have distributed energy generation as our partner, you know I, th- those days yeah. have to come.
2: Oh, that's that's a great observation because, I mean, I know Florida number two in the country for uh, electric vehicle adoption. It's, uh, that was a, a stat that shocked me. I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't either. Yeah, so it's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, but you're right. The additional sales of electricity from EVs far outpaces uh, in most places what solar is kind of, you know, reducing their sales. They're gaining sales. The problem for other ratepayers is to you might need to build a bigger grid if you don't uh, use the electricity wisely and take advantage of solar and storage like that's the real promise and that's something jigger shaw has been talking about all week is that virtual power plants solar plus storage and smart thermostats and other demand response that we can help be the solution that keeps Electrification and EVs and the the grid from becoming an enemy like that's going to be a drag on ratepayers. You know we can actually make the grid cheaper. So all we need is consumer advocates to kind of come on board and and uh, see that we're actually trying to provide a solution and that we do provide a solution. You
0: know you made a good point there that I think and one of the reasons we were able to defeat some of these anti-solar bills was the the community became behind it. Mm. Uh, Say what you will about uh, social media but when if people got revved up when they tried to pull that <laughs> shenanigan <laughs> is that a word shenanigan i think it is yeah but it definitely but, is but, it, but you know every, they took the people getting revved up it's just you have to get them revved up and as some of the some of the uh, like vote solar and some of these people that we talked about before they were really good at that it just uh, letting the public know you need to speak up because you're going to lose some of your liberties Oh, that's right both solar solar united neighbors
2: uh, there was a just a, a huge coalition effort in Florida in the last couple of years to uh, you know protect It's all about the consumers. A lot of people showed up to testify, and uh, lawmakers may not appreciate what it's like for them to take all that time off and show up and you know be nervous testifying in front of a legislator is a big deal, uh, so it was really inspiring to see that many people show up yeah
0: the League of women 's Voters was another big strong advocate of ours. What about in your area? It sounds like it's going pretty good. You don't have those battles?
1: We don't always have the same battles as Florida, but um, we're struggling to deploy solar at scale in Maryland especially, um, and the residential sector has lagged there in the past couple of years as REC prices have gone down. And we're trying to think of creative ways with the state on how we can incentivize and how we can drive solar adoption across the state.
0: Oh, Are there uh, any incentives in the state at all for solar or?
1: There's certain incentives. There's grant programs. um, Yeah,
2: really small. It's about $1,000 per system.
1: And it runs out pretty quickly. I think this year it ran out before January was over. Is that right? It was maybe a month of the incentive. So that's not enough. Um, And electricity rates are relatively still pretty low in Maryland. But... Like Thad said, as we're, we're planning for a new grid and as folks are adopting EVs, it's going to become more important for individual homeowners to be able to account for their own electrical load. So figuring out how we plan now for what we're going to need in 10 years is critical. We don't want to show up 10 years from now and say, oh, we should have been deploying DERs this whole time. So we're trying to plan ahead. We're trying to work with different lawmakers, stakeholders. We have a lot of really strong advocates in the League of Conservation Voters, Sierra Club, CCAN, that's the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, who are also trying to plan for this and trying to electrify this grid and figuring out how industry, environmentalists, and individual homeowners and government can work together to make sure that you know we are able to deploy at scale and have EVs. Um, and there's, there's just so many working parts and figuring out how we work across all these sectors to make it happen yeah. is the focus at Chesa right now.
0: Well, thank you. thank you both for what you do. We're almost out of time here. Dad, Stephanie, thanks for coming on today, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. This was a blast. Be, just be careful the rest of the show now. Don't get run over by all the traffic down there. Oh, you, you definitely <laughs> could become a victim uh, walking through the halls. That's <laughs> for, for, for sure. Okay, folks. All right, folks, we're going to sign off today. Gloria?
1: Well, have a great weekend.
0: Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.